Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, as we continue to worship this morning, if you have a Bible, I ask that you turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, as we continue to worship the Lord, um, now through the reading of the Word, we're continuing through a series on the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus is uh, proclaiming his coming kingdom and what that looks like. Uh, and there's great joy and truth for us today. So as you turn to Matthew chapter 6, let me pray. Father God, we thank you that, uh, Lord, you are a good and faithful God, that you are a loving Father who chases down your wayward children, and, and God, that through Christ we have been redeemed, we have been rescued from Satan's sin and death, and that by your Spirit you are transforming us, shaping us to be more like your Son, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the gospel. God, I pray that this morning your spirit would work in us, that you would shape our minds, attention, and our hearts, affection to you. And God, that you would convict us of uh, the sin and brokenness and our need for rescue. And Lord, that we would uh, see with great joy the grace that you extend to us through Christ. So Lord, I pray that you would have your way this morning. God, that you would shape us in the way that brings you glory and us great joy and that would extend the gospel through our lives to the nations. We ask in Jesus' good and holy name. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Jesus says this, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is God's word for us. Friends, in our brokenness, we often forget who we are and whose we are and who we are with. In our brokenness, we forget what we have and what we need. This warps our hearts, desires, and the intentions and motivations of our lives. But the good news is that Jesus reorients our hearts' greatest longings back to the Father. And this motivates our lives differently. So as we enter this time of God's word today, I want to ask you, what is your greatest longing and desire? What is the thing, the void you feel most in your life? And what is the thing you pursue day after day? Maybe it's um, a relationship that you don't have that you wish you had. Maybe it's a uh, certain career goal, or maybe it's fame or fortune or uh, something else. What, what is that longing, that desire that day after day you wake up and say, if I had this thing, my life would be complete. If I had this, then my life would be full. If I could just get my hands on this, then maybe I would be happy. You see, friends, even good things that God places in our lives can sometimes interrupt our greatest need and our greatest longing, which should be for God, the Father. And often, even the good things God places in our lives can distract us from the intimacy that we have with the Father through Jesus the Son that we so often take for granted. And in today's passage, we see as, as Jesus has been con, um, teaching through the Sermon on the Mount, last week we looked at prayer, and as he gave instruction to um, how 
his disciples are to pray that is different from the uh, hypocritical religious structure of the day. Uh, Jesus continues that theme with fasting. Now, fasting is a spiritual discipline that fosters intimacy with God. Fasting is is, uh, a discipline that is used in many different cultures, many different religions, and it was very... uh, Part, uh, very much a part of the spiritual life of first century Judaism. In fact, uh, most of the Pharisees would, would fast two times a week uh, on Mondays and on Thursdays, and it was uh, a way for them to um, worship the Lord. But what it had transformed into was, was uh, like so many things, had become more of a, um, a self-fulfilling religious uh, opportunity. It was a way for them to show off their own piety, and really they were missing the point of having intimacy with God the Father. And so Jesus says, do not be um, a hypocrite. Now, we looked at that word last week, which a hypocrite is, really comes from the word that, that means like a stage player or an actor, and at its root it means to be a counterfeit. And so just as Jesus warned against counterfeit prayer, against doing prayer in such a way that you were just going through the motions, when he speaks on fasting, he says the same thing. He says, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. You see right then, then and there, we see yet another example of doing a good religious thing with the wrong motivation doing a good religious thing to reflect your own seeming piety rather than to have true intimacy with the Father. And Jesus warns against that. But Jesus says, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Friends, there's so much good news in that statement. You see, Jesus is not only telling the motivation behind fasting, but rather the truth of what fasting is. Fasting is an opportunity to remind us of who we are as God's children. You see, he says, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father. Friends, that's a huge statement for Jesus to claim. That's a huge claim for him to make as he's teaching in this moment. You see, he was not saying, do this religious thing so that you could have some divine connection or some cool spiritual experience. He's calling God your Father. That's huge. It is something that should wreck us today because we often can forget that through Christ, We have a connection with God as our Father, that we are adopted sons and daughters, that we are children of God. See, fasting reminds us who we are, that we are children of God. It reminds us of what we have. We have communion with God. And it reminds us of what we need most in our life, trusting Him to provide. He says, your Father who is in secret will reward you. So friends, as we think about our greatest longing, our greatest desire, if we think about what our motivations and pursuits are in life, let us pause and remember who we are and whose we are, who we belong to, that we belong to God the Father, that we are sons and daughters of God, and that our greatest need, our greatest longing will be supplied through Christ by God the Father. And that is good news for us. 
So as we talk about fasting today, I'm hoping that this would encourage us to um, not do some new religious thing, but rather see yet another way for us to celebrate who God is and what he's done and who we are as his children and a way for us to worship and commune with God the Father together. Pastor and author John Piper says, Christian fasting at its root is the hunger of a homesickness for God. So, let's talk about fasting. Fasting, at its basic definition, means abstaining for any, from anything for the sake of a special spiritual purpose. Traditionally, fasting was something that was done with food, rather I should say without food. Fasting was abstaining from food for a season in order to use that time and that energy to commune with God. Traditionally, it was food, sometimes drink. It's honestly why the first meal of the day is called breakfast. Breakfast is because you are breaking your fast. In the first century, Pharisees would fast on Mondays and Thursdays. We see that Jesus himself fasted for 40 days in the desert. But scripturally, we see that after that, we actually have no record of Jesus fasting or his fasting practices of his disciples. In fact, his disciples, Jesus was questioned later in scripture, how come he and his disciples did not fast, but rather feasted? The only specific New Testament reference to fasting in the early church was in the context of of God's people seeking God's will for choosing church leaders in Acts chapters 13 and 14. And that's a, a good thing for us to bear in mind. But Jesus assumes that fasting was going to be a continued spiritual discipline, which is why he doesn't say, if you fast, but rather he says, when you fast. When you fast, do not do it with hypocritical motivation, but rather do it with the understanding that God is your father, you are his child, and he will supply everything you need. Throughout scripture, we see that fasting was used Um, As Don Whitney, the author, uh, writes, he says that um, fasting was used in a time to strengthen your prayer, seeking God's guidance, expressing grief, seeking deliverance or protection, expressing repentance and returning to God, humbling yourself before God, expressing concern for the work of God, ministering to the needs of others, overcoming temptation and dedicating yourself to God and expressing love and worship to God. There are scriptural references for all of those examples, and I'll post it online for you. So as we look at the ways that God has used fasting in the lives of his people, we see that God had used it in numerous ways to strengthen their prayer life, to strengthen their communion with God, their community with each other, and to tune them into the mission of God. So Jesus picks up on that in verse 16 and says, when you fast, fast with the motivation that you are a child of God, that you are communing with the Father who supplies every one of your needs. So for you and I today, I want to encourage you to think about something. Just as Jesus assumed that his his hearers would fast to commune with the Father, to uh, supplicate, to ask for the needs uh, that they may have so that God would provide for them, how does that factor into your thinking today? 
Is, is fasting something that you've ever thought about doing? Is it something that you think is important? Do, do you, when you approach God the Father, do you, do you approach him as a child approaching a father seeking to connect with him? Do you approach God in a way that you understand that you are his child and that he will pro- provide for your every need? Or do you feel detached from God the Father thinking, I, I wish this divine thing would just give me this job that I think I need or give me this relationship that I think I need? Do, do you think that maybe you have to do certain kind of pious activities in order to connect with God? This was the struggle of the people of the day seeking their motivations. And Jesus warns against being one of hypocrisy, doing uh, public pious things rather than seeking a deep intimacy with the Father. In the book Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster writes, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We cover ourselves what is inside of us with food and other things. So friends, as we look at what fasting means for you and I today as disciples of Christ and children of God, those who have communion with the Father, we no longer are motivated by religious piety, but rather with the truth that we are children of God communing with the Father. And this changes our motivations, no longer doing things out of religious public piety, but out of humble intimacy with God the Father. One author noted that Fasting with the idea that Jesus is the bread of life and trusting that he says, whoever believes in me shall never thirst brings about a different kind of intimacy with God the Father. That fasting would show us that Jesus truly is the bread of life and that he quenches our deepest need and thirst. So here's a few things I want to challenge us today to try because I I looked at tagging this on to last week's sermon on, on um, the Lord's Prayer, and, and they obviously go together. So hopefully you were here last week uh, because we're going to kind of pick up where that left off because the first word in verse 16 is and. So Jesus, it was like a continuous thing, but I, I couldn't shove this all together and it was too important to rush. Um, but I want to challenge us today to, to try to do something very practical with fasting. Um, I don't want to uh, throw out some cool, pious activity for us to do, but rather an opportunity for us to commune deeper with God the Father and to commune closer together as, as children of God, as a family of God together. Uh, there are great needs in our lives personally, in the lives of this church, in the life of this city, that I believe that God would really tune us into if we were to take an opportunity to use fasting as uh, an activity alongside of prayer uh, and worship, uh, that God would do something within us and even through us. Uh, So I'm going to get kind of practical here for a second, and I hope it is helpful to you. And I'm going to post all of these notes online because it's a lot of stuff, I know. But I was reading a book, uh, an article, and then another book this week by a guy named David Mathis. um, And he, he writes about fasting for beginners, And this is what I want to encourage us to try to do. He says that that without a purpose and a plan, it's not really fasting. It's just going hungry. And so I'm not going to ask you to not eat anything and just walk around being hungry and grumpy all day. 
but what I want to try for us to do is to formulate uh, a plan personally uh, this week, and if you're married with your spouse, and uh, if, if you're in a missional community, maybe talk about this with your missional community. Uh, but here's what I would encourage you to do. Uh, Christian fasting um, traditionally means abstaining from food. Uh, even it could just be one meal. Just to say, today, I'm going to not eat lunch. I know it's hard because you maybe are busy and you have a one-hour lunch break, but saying, you know what, I'm going to abstain from one meal this week. Just one meal. Just breakfast or lunch or dinner, whatever meal you decide, just to say, I'm not going to eat this one meal. That's the first step. Second step is this. Plan what you'll do instead of eating. So if you have a one-hour lunch break, say, instead of grabbing food today, I'm going to take that one hour and spend some time in prayer. Devote, devoting that one-hour time in prayer, in reading, maybe uh, worshiping through music or journaling. It's dedicating that set amount of time that you would have a meal and instead doing, it, doing something else extra to commune with God the Father. Consider how this will affect other people as step number three. You will um, obviously... Things will be different if you're not eating a meal with your family, so maybe discuss with your family what you were doing. Number four, try different kinds of fasting. There are times that you can fast personally by yourself. There are times that you can partner with somebody like a spouse or a close friend, somebody in your DNA group or missional community. Number five, something else to consider is you can fast from something other than food. And this is very uh, doable in our society today uh, because I wouldn't want anybody to abstain from food and have medical issues or health concerns. But think about some other things that you have excess in your life that you could maybe put on hold for a day. A huge one would be social media. (laughs) Something that consumes a lot of time, maybe saying I'm going to give up uh, this... uh, hobby for a day or for a week. Just say, look, for this week, I'm just not going to watch television or I'm not going to watch movies or play video games or not going to do whatever it is you do, bowling or just whatever your hobby is. Any bowlers in the house? There you go. And use that extra time to commune with the Lord, to say, today, I'm not going to let social media dictate how my day goes. I'm going to fast from social media for the day. And instead of checking Facebook, I'm going to uh, use that time to pray to God for my friends or my family. And you'd be surprised how God uses that when you minimize your distraction. God will reorient your heart to God the Father. He will uh, remind you that you are indeed a child of God, that you are not... uh, you are not valued because of your, how many likes you get on Instagram, but rather that you are a child of God and that he will tune you in to his mission. I just want to share with you a brief example of one way that you could do this. You can laugh if you want to because it's kind of funny, and I hope this is an embarrassing wife. But um, one, one thing I used to do, um, I, I've become more of an introvert in my older years in my 30s. But a long time ago, when cell phones first came out, before we had, you know, smartphones and whatever, I had a flip phone, and um, 
I uh, had to commute to Atlanta once a week to do uh, school for a seminary, and uh, I would call, I'd make all my phone calls on my little flip phone because uh, my radio I had a pretty, pretty nasty radio in my car. It just wasn't a great radio, so I didn't have an iPod, and I think I had you know cassettes or something. But um, cassettes are the new vinyl, y'all. If they're coming back, I know. Um, so I, on my commute back, I would, I would often call people just to chat, just to talk, just to have somebody to talk to, you know, because it got lonely for two hours driving. Uh, but then over time, I decided rather than to call and just talk to people, I would, I would scroll through my contact list on my phone and just pray for people. Now, I, I, don't, I don't recommend staring at your phone when you're driving down the road. Please don't hear that. But if, you just, if you're at a red light and you glance at, at your call list and you see... Jim is on your list. You could just pray for Jim. And, um, and God really used that season of my life in a, in a very, very big way. That weekly commute, driving to and from Atlanta, taking the time to say, I'm not going to listen to the radio, and I'm not going to call people on my phone, but rather I'm just going to scroll through my, my contact list and pray for those people while I'm, while I'm on the road. And um, God used that in a really mighty way in my life. And um, it was before I was married, and, and God actually had me praying for who later became my wife uh, through that season. So I'm just going to throw that out there. God can use it in a mighty way. But just take some time and say, I'm going to fast from this. Now, you, you maybe want to say, look, I, I'm going to fast for, from food. I'm going to take a, take a day and just not eat. And, and let me tell you, if you have health concerns, talk to your, your doctor before you do that. Drink lots of water. Uh, I don't want anybody to get hurt or sick, and um, I will post some resources uh, of, of how we could maybe incorporate fasting into our spiritual disciplines personally. I think God would use it in a mighty way. Um, here's another thing I'll say, and this is kind of practical. Jesus teaches on fasting at the same time he is teaching on prayer. Um, he teaches the Lord's Prayer, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In verse 16, And when you fast, fast in such a way, that your father who is in secret will see and reward you. So friends, I want to encourage you to try something this week. As you think of a way of a time to incorporate fasting into the rhythm of your week, whether you're fasting from one meal or uh, fasting from eating for a day or if you're fasting from social media or hobbies or whatever it is, devote some time, extra time to commune with God the Father. And this is what I would encourage you to do. Take that time and use the Lord's Prayer as a template prayer time. To use the Lord's Prayer to pray that truth over yourself, reminding yourself that God is your Father, that He is holy, uh, that He is at work on earth as in heaven, that He will provide for your every need, that in Christ you were forgiven and that you are to forgive, that in Christ you were delivered from evil, from sin. And God would really use that time to massage the gospel into your heart. And then I would challenge you to do this. Use the Lord's Prayer as a template to pray for other people 
other believers in this congregation, people that you know in your missional community or, or just people here? I mean, can you imagine what would happen is if we started praying for one another just to say, hey, uh, God, this week would you remind Jim? I'm just, I don't know who Jim is, but he's, he's our guy. God, that you would remind Jim that you are his father. God, that you would remind Jim that you are holy. God, that you would remind Jim that you are at work in his life as you are in heaven. God, remind Jim that you will provide for his every need, that in Christ he is forgiven. Can you imagine what would happen if you started praying specifically over one another, that kind of prayer? So pray that over yourself. Pray that for other believers in this church and community. And thirdly, I would say this. Would you pray that prayer over, would you dedicate some time this week to fasting from something, and in that time, use the Lord's Prayer as a template to pray for specific non-believers that you know? Like somebody who's not a Christian, maybe that you work with, or in your neighborhood, or in your school. Because here at Redemption, it's been said numerous times since the beginning of the year that we're praying that God would, uh, would... would save a hundred people, that we would be able to see a hundred new salvations this year somehow through the life of Redemption Church. Can you imagine how God may use prayer and fasting as, as a means to see that through? Like if we were to sit down and say, okay, there's this guy I know in my workplace. His name is, his name is Jim. <laughs> Jim. But can you imagine what would happen if you prayed for this man or woman who doesn't know Jesus, if you said, I'm going to spend, you know, one, one lunch break a week, I'm going to not eat lunch, and instead I'm going to go somewhere by myself with my Bible and read and pray, God, God, that you would show Jim that you were his loving father. God, that you would show Jim that you were working his life. God, that you would show Jim that you provide his every need, that in Christ he is forgiven. Can you imagine how God would use that in your life and in Jim's life? So that's kind of it. It's a different kind of sermon, but my, my hope and goal was that we would be encouraged in the faith to practice this so that, so that as we would incorporate fasting into our spiritual disciplines, that we would commune with God the Father because of who we are in Christ as adopted sons and daughters. So I would challenge you to do this. I'm going to post these notes on the city today, and uh, so keep an eye out for that. And there will be links to resources if you want to do further reading. uh, And and let me know or some of your, um, any of your MC leaders or, or anybody you trust in the faith how we can help do this. I don't want this to be a pious, contrived, hypocritical thing to do but rather a means by which God would really work in our lives to commune with the Father and with each other and, and forward the mission of the gospel. And then after, after you have an opportunity to fast, even if it's, like I said, just one hour, one, one day this week, just fast from one meal or spend a day fasting from social media, journal out. I would encourage you to, to reflect a couple of days later, reflect on how God used that season of fasting, that, that day or that hour of fasting in your life. Write it out in a journal, share it with your missional community, share it with your DNA group, uh, because I think, I think God would use it in a mighty way. Uh, if it wasn't important, Jesus wouldn't have talked about it. I mean, if it wasn't important, it wouldn't take up several verses of the Bible. So I think I think there's something here for us to incorporate into our lives today. So uh, 
with that said, I'll just I'll stop there and um, just say a couple things uh, before we um, have a time of response. If you are uh, not a believer, uh, we don't want to teach you to do some religious thing. We just want you to know God the Father through Jesus the Son. Uh, that Jesus is, is your salvation, and uh, that by the Holy Spirit you are being made new, that, that you are forgiven, and that you have a right relationship with God the Father. So if you're not a believer, that's what we want you to know before you do any religious thing. We just want you to know that truth. And so we'd love to talk with you about that. Uh, come see me or any of the leaders here uh, in a few minutes during a time of response. There'll be guys in the back, or, or ladies maybe, um, with with uh, orange lanyards that, that said, may I pray with you? And they'll be glad to pray with you and help talk you through what it means to follow Jesus. So if you're not a Christian, that's what we want you to know above anything else. If you are a believer, um, we're going to have a time of response like we do every Sunday here. And um, there's a few ways you can respond. You can meditate on the scripture that you've heard. The worship team will lead us through uh, singing, and you can reflect on, on the scriptures and sing along as a response of, of worship. Before you also, you will see um, bowls and bread. The bread represents the body of Christ that was broken for you, and the wine and juice represents the blood of Christ that was shed for the forgiveness of sin. So we celebrate communion as a proclamation of the gospel over one another, to one another, that, that this is who we are in Christ, this is who Christ is and what he's done, and we tear off the bread and dip it in the wine or the juice as an act of worship. So if you're a believer, a Christian, um, we invite you to come and, and, and participate in worshiping in that way. Uh, I would ask that we would be uh, mindful of what God is doing in our hearts and minds. If there's an area in your life where you need to repent, um, that means to turn from something and to turn toward Christ. Um, I can tell you that um, when Jesus repeatedly in the Sermon on the Mount warns against hypocrisy uh, about that, that just triggers something in my mind every time. That, that are you... So I just want to ask you to reflect on that as God calling you to repent of doing any kind of hypocritical, religious anything. And if so, repent, turn from it, and turn to Jesus and respond in the grace of the gospel. Uh, Let me pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Lord, I do thank you for the gospel of Jesus, the good news that, uh, that through Christ we are sons and daughters, that you are our loving Father. And God, I thank you that in Christ uh, we have great freedom to worship you, and, and Lord, that sometimes that freedom causes us to uh, be lazy and take for granted uh, the intimacy we have with you. And so, God, I pray that you would use uh, this time to work in our hearts and minds to reveal to us ways that we can commune with you as our loving Father apart from the distractions of food or social media or anything else that occupies our time and skews our motivations and intentions and uh, God, our, our desires that are warped because of our brokenness. God, I pray that you would use uh, your word and encourage us through our times of scripture and prayer and worship and community with each other and communion with you. Uh, God, that you would shape us to be more like your son Jesus, that you would draw us closer to you. And God, that you would, um, that you would uh, light within us a fire to be people of prayer and God, people of fasting, that we would abstain from excessive uh, things in order to devote that time and, and focus uh, toward you so that you could shape us as your people, so that you could tune us into your mission. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters this week in this room, God, that uh, for those who will embark to 
incorporate the discipline of fasting to some degree into their lives. God, that this week would be marked by very sweet, intimate time of worship. God, if they have just an hour lunch break of fasting or a day of fasting or a week of, of uh, abstaining from some other distraction like media or something, God, I pray that you would meet them, that you would meet us in those places in a very sweet time of intimacy and worship. Um, God, I also pray that that time would be one of marked, uh, marked with prayer for one another, that you would be lifting us up as brothers and sisters in Christ through the prayers of each other. And God, that we would be people of prayer toward mission, engaging non-Christians, the lost, for the sake of the gospel. So Lord, I pray that uh, during a time of prayer and fasting that you would lay upon our hearts and minds people in our lives, that you've placed us in their lives who don't know you. And God, that we would be burdened to, to pray before you so that you might save them and shape them to be your children as well. So God, I pray that you would do mighty things in our midst for the glory of your name and for the good and joy of your people and that the gospel of Christ would advance through our lives to the nations. We ask in Christ's good and holy name. Amen.